This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. An Elio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out Who's to blame? They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing... Grey Gardens. Here's what you need to know. You ought to be in pictures. Thank God for Jerry. He smiles, he's beautiful. He wanted me to become a model, photographer's model. Somebody told me I was going to have seven husbands. I've only had one, but... You know what they said, that I was schizophrenic. No, no beings. Schizophrenic. You won't have any friends if you're not sweet. Absolutely no. Oh, sweet, yes, I must be sweet. Man changes and is variable, but nature remains the same. The 28-room Great Gardens home located where Lily Pond Lane meets West End Road in East Hampton, Long Island, is just as much a character in the Beale legacy as any living being. It was once a physical manifestation of the trials and tribulations of the two Edith Beals. The shingle-style home was designed by arts and crafts architect, Joseph Greenleaf Thorpe in 1897. Born to a family of wealth and esteemed social status, Edith Ewing Bouvier was a precocious child and a musical prodigy growing up in New York at the turn of the 20th century. When she was 22, the glamorous young woman married Phelan Beale, a man 14 years her senior who worked at her father's law firm. The couple had three children, Edith Phelan Jr., and Bouvier. Little Edie, Edith's daughter, was born soon after the marriage, growing up in the same privileged social circles as her mother. When little Edie was five years old, 
Her parents purchased the Grey Gardens mansion in East Hampton, Long Island. Much to her husband's dismay, Edith spent her days living the life of a bohemian artist instead of the proper wife to an established lawyer. She played piano, socialized with artists, and sang opera at private parties. It wasn't long before Phelan left Edith, divorcing her with no alimony and little resources to maintain the 28-room mansion. Big Edie relied on her father's financial support until a fateful day in 1942. Upon showing up late to her son's wedding and dressed in a flamboyant opera costume, her father cut her from his will. Meanwhile, little Edie, nicknamed Body Beautiful Beale, was living a life of glitz and glamour in Manhattan, dabbling in modeling, fending off marriage proposals from Joe Kennedy Jr. and J. Paul Getty, and jet-setting with Howard Hughes. Despite all the suitors, little Edie had her eyes on a career in the theater. In the summer of 1952, hotshot Broadway producer Max Gordon invited her to audition for the Theater Guild. This could be her big break. Just before the audition, little Edie received word her mother could no longer afford to send her grocery money. With no means to support herself, little Edie returned to Grey Gardens. The mother-daughter duo began a coexistence that would scandalize, intrigue, and disgust the neighbors for the next several decades. The two sang opera, bickered about old memories, ate canned liver pate with crackers, and danced around the sprawling mansion as it slowly fell into disarray over the years. By the 1970s, Big Edie and Little Edie survived off of boiled corn and ice cream, while keeping enough Wonder Bread and cat chow to feed the dozens of cats and raccoons they sheltered in the home's attic. Soon, East Hampton neighbors complained about the precarious condition of the home and what they saw as the repellent lifestyle of the mother and daughter. In October 1971, the Suffolk County Health Department raided Grey Gardens along with an investigator, a veterinarian, a public health nurse, an attorney, a building inspector, and a fire marshal. News that relatives of the First Lady were living in squalor hit all the major tabloids, and Jackie Kennedy, who was Big Edie's niece, helped pay for the home's mandated maintenance and cleaning. The forced removal left Big Edie traumatized, and she rarely left their home. Six months later, Jackie Kennedy's sister, the socialite Lee Radzawell, asked filmmakers Albert and David Maisley's to document the changing development in East Hampton and the history of the Radziwell family. When the filmmakers met Big and Little Edie, the original product was abandoned and production was shifted to focus on the fascinating mother-daughter duo. After over two years of filming and 70 hours of footage, the cult classic Grey Gardens was released. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats Big and Little Edie were each promised $5,000 and 20% of any profits for their participation in the documentary Grey Gardens. After filming, it took the directors two years to edit the over 70 hours of film. Approximately $15,000 worth of family heirlooms was stolen from Grey Gardens in 1968 while Edith and Edie were at a party in East Hampton. It would be one of the last times Big Edie left the house. Little Edie claimed that ghosts inhabited Grey Gardens, including a sea captain and Tex Logan. Jackie Kennedy gave the Edies $25,000 to get the home cleaned up. 40 gallons of germicide were required to make it inhabitable again. After Ben Bradley and Sally Quinn purchased Grey Gardens from Little Edie, Bradley reported finding 52 dead cats in the home. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hey. And our very special guests today are Jolenta Greenberg and Kristen Meinzer coming back to the pod. Uh, We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having us. We're excited, yeah. too. Now, uh, Kristen and Jalenta are co-hosts of By the Book podcast, and they have a new Audible show that just came out called Romance Road Test. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the show? 
Yes, I can. This is Jolenta, <laughs> by the way. Hey. Um, on Romance Road Test, we take all the like trendy dating advice and like love life hacks that are floating around the internet and we try them out with our partners one a week. And it's it's a wild ride. We do everything from like assembling furniture together to like <laughs> reading erotica to each other to like trying sex every day for a week. It's it's is, very fun. Is assembling <laughs> furniture really a romance tip? That sounds like romance death. It, one of the tips, one of the tips we lived by was like do a dreaded task with oh. your partner. It's supposed to bond you, like wow. you know, mm, in I guess like the hatred of furniture or something, <laughs> or like in my case, uh, my partner and I we cleaned out like our basement, like. <laughs> Very sexy. That's love. Wow. I, I feel like this is something that the uh, they should use on The Bachelor. It should be like your first one-on-one -on -one date is to clean someone's basement out. Yeah. Actually, clean yeah. out some deep storage. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever we need to spark the romance, we always get a big Ikea set to get us going. Mm -hmm. Right. So we right. combine those two things. We get, we get, we start building and then... <laughs> Forget it. We never get to the end of that. The sparks go flying. That hex wrench. Yeah, that's right. He burned the house down. So we like to start off the show by asking our guests, "What is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night?" Oh, there's always so much to keep us up at night, isn't there? Mm -hmm. I know. There really, there really is. It's like, it's hard to choose just one thing. Um, and I remember last time I was on the show, I chose something really light and frothy. Um, but gonna I'm going to choose up? something, I'm going to choose something less frothy and less light this time. Uh -huh. um, what's up with Prince Charles accepting donations Oh. The way he does. Like, late, the latest is from the Bin Laden brothers. Uh, prior to that, it was just suitcases and bags of cash, unmarked bills. Prior to that, it was cash for titles. Um, I'm kind of alarmed by that. You're not supposed to be the figurative head of state or next in line to the throne and be accepting bags of unmarked bills. <laughs> I find that quite alarming. Yeah. Also, just give me the bags of unmarked bills. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the unmarked money, but you're not supposed to be doing it. He's Prince too high Charles. profile. Yeah. yeah. Not cool. Super not cool. Ask questions. Those are things you should ask questions about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Jolenta, what about you? Okay, I'll go the light, frothy route. Okay. Which is, it was recently brought to my attention on Twitter, I believe, that it's been a year since the Real Housewives of New York has been off the air. And that was alarming to me because, like, promises have been made about, like, reboots, maybe two different New Yorks. Like, mm. you know, a Sonia Luann spinoff. But, like, it's been a year since the Real Housewives of New York have graced a screen with new now, content. Just want to be clear, you're not alarmed that they all kind of are living normal, better lives, and that's why there's not TV show content. <laughs> no. That's not what alar is alarming you. Mm -mm. You're alarmed that they're not continuing to feed you these crazy stories, right? Right, yes. Okay. Very alarmed that, like, they are not entertaining yeah. me with their wild lives. <laughs> yes, yes. That's what's concerning. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make good, sure. Good. Yeah. Um, that is alarming, actually. <laughs> what if people stopped acting crazy? What would reality TV show look like? That would be terrible. Ugh. Everything would just be the British Bake Off all the time. Yeah, yeah no. We'd yeah. all just, just be hugging each other like... and, and right. crying as we got eliminated. Yeah. And then, like, we couldn't appreciate that as much without being like, oh, I need a break from, like, this garbage. And it's like, but if we stop making the garbage, no. where do we go from there? We need I... the garbage. The garbage is part of the – it's like – it's like how how uh, the the whales right. eat the plankton. It's like all part of the ecosystem. Like yes, we need yes. the garbage. <laughs> I'm going to beautifully transition there, just by saying, wouldn't it be have been a wonderful, not garbage television reality show? Yeah, mm -hmm. talk about reality show. That was mm -hmm. Big Edie and Little Edie. This came before reality TV, and it really was like the beginning of it. It was. I mean, it set the tone. Yeah, it really it, did. So I guess let's kind of uh, discuss 
what this tragedy is that we're trying to figure out yeah, before so. we even dive in. Let's because I'm just speaking for myself, big fan, big fan of these women. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are, were a lot of, uh, per, you know, I don't want to, I didn't know them, so I don't want to diagnose, but perhaps mental uh, health issues that okay. were um, happening. There is still a sense of tragedy to their story, right? Mm-hmm. But as people... Love. Seem like a lot of fun. (laughs) Lots of gems. You could just sit and listen for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, just because I knew that we were start, we were going to record this. I went back and and watched the documentary, and this time I did it in like thirty minute pockets. Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. maybe like how an episode uh, Uh of. Real Housewives of (laughs) East Uh huh. And it's great. Mm-hmm. It really holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also felt like that was enough because you really do need to digest everything that's happening. There's so much. Sure. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I ended up watching it the same way because I'd, oh. I'd have to, I'd have to, I ended at first I was like, I'll just sort of skim through it. And then I was like, I'm rewatching this whole thing, but I would need a break every so often to like get a snack and be like, whoa, <laughs> what did I just see? <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, it's I like mean, a, a gut punch every so often. And you need, you need to like catch your breath, especially after like just the fly on the wall, like mother daughter interactions are they are mm. brutal and mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah, I get, I get very upset every time I watch it. And I'm definitely on team little Edie. I am 100% on her team. And yeah, I just oh, I get so mad. I get so <laughs> mad at Big Edie while watching this movie. I know. Uh, and that really made me want to kind of dive in and, and go into her history a little bit, just because like, why is she like that? Why is she so controlling mm. over her daughter? Um, and she had a, a crazy life. Little Edie, I mean, she was, I'm sorry, Big Edie. They both had really... Uh, you're not allowed to say crazy anymore, but I'm no. trying to find the word. <laughs> wild? I've been going with wild a lot. Yes. Yeah. They had, they had a roller coaster? Lives. Yeah, their yes. lives were... Bananas. Extraordinary. <laughs> full, of, full of eccentricity and um, unconventional decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of privilege and a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um But she was definitely, it felt like she was different. And she wanted to have a life that was not acceptable at the time. She wanted to sing. She wanted to follow her passion. And for, you know, as much as we look at uh, how and think, how lucky are they to have been born into this like gigantic wealth? And I feel like Kristen, we're always talking about this topic because uh, <laughs> when you come on the show, because we're usually talking about royals, and mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's yeah. like yes. l- you know, the, it's like the luck of the draw. You're born into this wealth and 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 privilege, but what does that come with, right? Mm-hmm. What are what is it you're giving up? There's no such thing as. I wanted to say there's no such thing as a free lunch, but that doesn't really um, <laughs> go with what we're talking about. But it does. They want to pay. They want to like go pay for the lunch somewhere, and they all have free yeah. lunch everywhere. And it's like, no, yeah. no, no. The yeah, free lunch is free lunch. Yeah. You live or like, in the or like bags of money come with baggage. Yes, 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 Like I come with like some heavy baggage along with right. the, like a heavy sack yeah. of cash. It's sort of what it seems like because yeah. she like wanted to be like a bohemian, right? And mm-hmm. That's why in the documentary, mm-hmm. she has this sort of fixation on her like a pianist and he was brilliant and like they lived in great gardens and sang and like, yeah, that's not like what a society woman who married rich is supposed to be doing. So I'm sure there's so much, so much like anger and repression. Yeah. But, like being yeah. expelled in like the worst way. And then also, just because you're part of the, you know, aristocracy, essentially, uh, you also aren't working. So these are people who are, you know, by most measures, uh, high functioning enough to, at least in little Edie's case, move off by herself, live in the city, uh, have a life, but never have a job, Mm. always be supported by her dad until he, you know, essentially cuts her off. Um, And likewise with her mom. So 
you are dealing with these two women who have dreams of being performers, of being on camera, of living unconventional lives, um, but at the same time, not doing what other people do if they want to be actors or singers, which is like wait tables or do some secretarial work or do odd jobs. Um, they're not doing any of those things at all. Yeah. So I, I love all that. I just want to throw some of this stuff on the board. How do we want to encapsulate that baggage that comes with bags of money. I love. Yes, I love that. <laughs> the baggage. That's good. Yeah. And then also, how would you guys say the... Maybe like... Yeah. Is it perhaps um, big dreams? <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, but I-, I think for them, they thought big. They thought... They thought thinking outside the box. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of this is the social mores of the mm-hmm. aristocracy. Like, right. there's nothing more scandalous than, I mean, being an actor or singer is like almost like being a sex worker <laughs> if you are right. part of this era right. of aristocracy. It's below You're them, essentially. for sure. Yes. Yeah, they entertain so. you. You don't do what they do for yeah. you. But right. also the idea of working at all is just like, why would I work? You know who works? The man who takes care of my dressage pony. You know, you're not going to actually <laughs> do any work yourself, right? What's so wild is then also that notion is then like weaponized by Big Edie in the yes. documentary. I had to stop. One of the times I had to stop was after like they're having this interaction and she just, Big Edie just sort of like pretty, pretty like nonchalantly drops like, well, like what have you amounted to? Like no man, no children mm. where it's like, mm-hmm. where it's I like-, like they think outside the box and she's sort of proud of her daughter because of this and herself, but also then like you know, essentially like calling her a loser to her face for not having a man or like a traditional family life. I like the word weaponize that you use. I wonder if we could like weaponize social pressures or weaponize something. I feel like that's a good option for the board. Mm -hmm. Yes, perhaps. That feeds more into there too. What we could, we'll probably get into is their relationship and sort of codependence sort of. uh, Yeah. As we get into that, I'm trying to think like, yeah, is like weaponizing the, Social norms or... Yeah, or like societal expectations. Yeah. Yes. I I feel like we should put her husband, Beal, up on the board. And let's talk about that. And then we'll get into the whole shame that came with being an actor at the time and and a singer. Also, do they both refer to him as Mr. Beal? Yes, they do. I was like, they're both calling him Mr. Beal, which is like, where I was like, she's not talking, she's talking about her dad, right? Yes. (laughs) Mr. Beal. Um, That's why it's hard to know how to say his name because they never say his name. I guess they would have said dad, (laughs) but (laughs) Uh, so let's put him up on the board, Phelan Beal. In the early, this is according to Grey Gardens Online. In the early 1920s, Phelan and Big Edie purchased the Grey Gardens mansion. It was at her new home that Edith would fully cultivate her bohemian ways, utilizing her servants and staff. Her daily routine included playing the piano, socializing with artists, and training her operatic mezzo-soprano voice. She would dress in an unconventional style that drew criticism from her fellow East Hampton elitists. Put those up on the board, too. Her outlandish, free-thinking attitude and gypsy-like appearance embarrassed her husband. Phelan Beale left Edith in 1934 and moved to his hunting lodge. He later divorced her in 1946 by telegram from Mexico. Uh, Edith received child support, but no form of alimony. She kept Grey Gardens as part of the settlement and found the imposing home difficult to maintain on her own financially. Unable to support herself, her father would have to contribute upwards of 3500 Five hundred a year to assist her. So he left. Divorced by telegram. Interesting detail. That's rough. Really rough. And so yeah. little Edie also wasn't exaggerating when she said he had a Mexican divorce. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> was weird. That is a weird way to put it. I know, but I feel like that was uh, very common at the time. I feel like there were a bunch of, uh, there have been a, a bunch of other celebrities. Oh, really? Um, notified from afar well i think you had to go to mexico to get the divorce oh um, Oh, interesting that's why it was called that's why that's what it was called um i think that was the way to have a quickie divorce back then because you could just inform someone rather than get them to sign off on the divorce Mm -hmm. it's like here's your papers you're being served with a divorce (laughs) that makes sense right because then you don't have to 
deal with alimony or like the the logistics of it how, yeah. how you break down the wealth that's sneaky yeah it's like yeah. the text it's like breakup without of the consent. time or something <laughs> yeah so that's what they're dealing with you know a pr- pretty much a husband who is not diminishing but gaslighting i guess i also want to put up family shame you yeah big mm. time. because i think that goes with how they were seen because of their you know, goals and their aspirations. Because right. Big 80's dad was was disappointed in her too, right? Like, yes. Didn't he eventually disinherit her too? Like, yeah. None of these men approved. The disapproval of men, really. Oh, duh. Let's put that up on the board. The disapproval the, of men? The disapproval of the Beale men. Yes. Mm. Because also, can we just talk about the Beale sons? Like, where yes. are they? You guys are married, Ugh. living posh lives, and I had to look them not, up. They're like lawyers and yes. stuff. Yeah, they're doing and it's very like, well. Yeah, you can't send a check. Like, <laughs> come on, help yeah. out your mom and sister. Uh, they're, yeah, they're struggling. Well, and also the way Big Edie again, like weaponized the way she talked about her sons in front of her daughter, and like they mm. were great, they were perfect. She was trouble. Like she's Terrible. like a failure. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. I mean, it's, just, it's like a bit of like a emotional abuse or ma- manipulation. There's a oh, for that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And let's yeah. be clear: one of them lived in Long Island. So not mm-hmm. far away. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I Glen didn't know that. Clo- Glen Cove, Long Island is where the youngest son lived. What? This is according to Grey Gardens Online, and they're referring to uh, Big Edie. She would have a dramatic falling out with her father in 1942 after the wedding of her son, Bouvier. She arrived to the nuptials 25 minutes late, dressed like an opera star. Utterly disgusted at Edith's behavior, he changed her will two days later. Her inherited share of his $825,000 estate was now reduced to 65000 and as further insult, would be controlled to in trust entirely by her sons. She would only receive $300 a month to support herself and her daughter. I wish everyone Oof. could see Jolenta's face of <laughs> your dad, <laughs> your dad being <laughs> like, your dad being like, you get way less money. And also, I think you're so irresponsible. Your sons are going to control it. It's like such a burn. Like, such a burn. Yeah. If I if I lost money every time I, I got drunk at a wedding, I would pro- I'd be screwed. <laughs> Very disinherited over here. I would be penniless. Uh, and let's be clear, it's because she arrived 25 minutes late. Okay, not cool, mom. But mm-hmm. like, I've heard of worse moms. Like, yeah. Glam held her a little long. Come yeah, on. yeah. 25. It's not like three hours. Okay, so fine. I, okay, I, I'm just going to say something about Big Edie here, though. Yeah. This is another situation where Big Edie is making it about herself. Oh, She's true. waltzing true, in like an true. opera star. Look mm. at me, everybody. It's me, Big Edie. Right. Hello, everybody. On her son's day. Like. Yes. Like- and I'm like, she just was pulling a Big Edie. And yeah. I can see where that would be infuriating after a while. Like, oh, God. Finally, it's like, up. enough. Like, Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sorry. That's me kind of playing devil's advocate, but also me just kind of, again, going back to the fact that I think Big Edie is the villain here. Yeah, well, I also, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I get that. And and as a child, like that has to be so frustrating. Um, and also, what other weapon did she have, though, at the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she had no career. She had no um, ability to make her own decisions and like just go off and be. I mean, I guess she could have just gone off and, and, and been a a, a singer. Um, but she didn't. She had a family. She had a bunch of things she had to stay back for. And I don't know. I guess I have a little bit of compassion for her in that sense. But I also think you're right. At a certain point, you just have to show up, right? And and mm-hmm. for one day, make it about your son. Yeah. yeah like play by the rules for five minutes. There's yeah. something <laughs> interesting in there about this, uh, you know, this the struggle of someone like Big Edie who is who comes from wealth and then marries into wealth and feels very kept by that wealth, but has this like very bohemian longing to live this eccentric, kind of risky, extravagant lifestyle. And like the pull and tug between this is safe and I know I'll always have like a home and be taken care of versus like, do I go out and take the big risk? And how she may have been acting out at moments, whether it was conscious or not, because she was kind of like denying her own 
inner, I don't know, artistry. Mm-hmm. That's yes. true. I mean, if the only outlet she knows is through so- socialite socializing, you know, a wedding is a is an event. It's a <laughs> mm. party. And so this is the opportunity she takes to sort of make her. That's how she uses her voice, essentially, right? Yeah. She she the way she dresses, how she behaves at parties. I mean, it, to me, it's sort of symmetrical in that way, where this this dramatic event happened at a party. How do we encapsulate that? Is that like, do we blame the money for that? Do we blame the like stifled artist? <laughs> I think. I think we just got to put Big Edie up on the board. Oh, she's on the board. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but like everything she, she, she encompasses. Right, I was going to say, because like, I feel like the way Kristen said pulling, she's just like pulling a Big Edie. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's Pull, about And me. maybe we can call it that, pulling a Big Edie. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, this is according to Ranker. Uh, Big Edie feared if little Edie married the elder Beale would have no one to take care of her. A socialite on the road toward fame, little Edie dropped everything to move in with her mother in 1952 when Big Edie fell ill. Little Edie felt trapped by her mother and often lamented that she wasn't able to move to a to the big city to pursue her acting career. In the 1975 documentary, Grey Gardens, Little Edie tells Big Edie repeatedly she had wanted to move to New York or Paris, to which Big Edie responds, you've had enough fun in your life. The younger Edie tells the documentarians she's, quote, been a subterranean prisoner at Grey Gardens for 20 years. When little Edie spoke to New York journalist Gail Sheehy in the early 70s, she invited Sheehy to a nearby beach, quote, to escape from mother. At the beach, little Edie told Sheehy that she tried to run away from home three times. Yeah. Tried to? So what does that Mother mean? Mother is very controlling. She's emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. Anytime, oh, yeah. anytime uh, little Edie talks about <laughs> her dreams or what <clears throat> she could have done, her mom blames her. Well, you didn't have to come back here, you loser. You know, or like you, you didn't get that audition. Like, right. like yeah. where it's like it's like is she gaslighting her? Like I. It seems like there's so. a lot of jealousy, you know, like she's the, yeah. she's her daughter who also was an art who had the potential to model and act and was like really going down that road. The men were in their men roles, being lawyers and doing what men do. And she saw herself and her daughter and instead of becoming like the crazy stage mom and totally in, 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 supporting mm. that, like really stifled. Yeah, it. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that's a good way to put it, um, Clayton, to talk about the jealousy of her daughter. Um, yeah. Cause that yeah, is a she's lot of like it. jealous it, that like her daughter happened to be coming up in a time where like she could more easily pursue. Ooh, that's interesting. Like, the time, the too. dreams, it's a different you know? time period for her daughter that maybe she it's had. Like, we're talking access. like the twenties versus like the what? Forties and fifties. Like yeah. it's much easier to be like a socialite who has, you know, modeling aspirations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be on TV and to be on a stage. Yeah. I mean, cousin Jackie was hosting TV specials. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. Right? Uh, a lot of was, fame. It was a different era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I mean, in the twenties there were like silent movies, but like by the forties and fifties, like Hollywood was, you know, the, the movie industry was booming. It must have been really exciting because people were going to the movie theaters. It was the the hot new thing. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wondered if uh, East Hampton had a, a community theater, if that would have scratched that itch for <laughs> Little Edie. Oh, there or are so the many fame- theaters out there. Long Island has always been like Brooklyn, Queens, and Long Island have also been at the center of the film industry before the West Coast was too. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I was I'm sort of curious about the. This is probably uh, not as important to our board, but curious about the nature of her wanting to be an actor. Is it attention? Is it the fame? Or was it just the singing and and community sense of community? I wonder uh, for Little Edie. For Little Edie, yeah. I a think part both of, of the more natural performers. I agree. And I think a part of me would have, I, I feel like Biggity would have been happy just have, being part of a community of artists, maybe in her area where she could have expressed herself in a way that she felt accepted. Mm. I think little Edie had much larger aspirations. Mm. I feel like she wanted to be a star mm. versus... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother, who kind of just wanted to be an artist. <laughs> um, 
So I wonder if she had been accepted by her East Hampton community or mm. her, the socialite community, um, if she would have been much happier and therefore not have been so jealous of her daughter and I, her aspirations. I feel like that brings me back to this, the the idea of like this community that they live in and that it was so frowned upon for them to express any kind of artistry and, and kind of fall outside. And, you know, it's very like, I guess we already said aristocracy kind of like, it's yeah. so mm-hmm. like, mm. well, I can't Money. even think of the term. It's just very tight. Like it's so rigid. You cannot mm-hmm. break the mold because that's, yeah. and whether that's because it's going to embarrass you or embarrass your family members, like it's just so that's not sustainable. I also wonder, like, was little Edie raised by, like, sort of a stage mom? Was she (laughs) raised to think, like, women perform, but then, like, she started being able to sort of outperform her mother, and then it was, like, (laughs) reel her back in? That's a theory. That's a conspiracy from Joe Like, I still wonder, like, how was Big Edie ill? Like, what did she fall ill with that made her need little Edie to come home? Like, because the timing um, was awfully. Yes, that was. was, Yeah, codependency for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, But Jolenta, I totally agree with you because I think that she was very much like. What is Lindsay Lohan's mom's name? Dina? I think mm-hmm. she was a Dina, right? Mm. She, it's like, like, yes, my little girl is winning beauty pageants. Everyone's calling her the prettiest girl on Long Island. She can sing uh, just like me. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, reel it back in. Reel it back in. Yeah. Um, let's put codependency up on the board because I, I, I like that. Um, you know, I also want to put up I, I don't know how to say this. I think it's Diogenes syndrome slash hoarding disor- disorder. Okay. okay. So this is um, Diogenes syndrome. DS is a behavioral disorder of the elderly. Symptoms include living in extreme squalor, unhygienic conditions, self-imposed isolation, and refusal of external help, and a tendency to accumulate unusual objects. Hoarding disorder... Uh, is where people have hoarding uh, people with hoarding disorder have persistent difficulty getting rid of parting with possessions due to a perceived need to save the item. Specific symptoms for a hoarding diagnosis include persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions regardless of their actual value. This difficulty is due to a perceived need to save the items and to the distress associated with discarding them. Also, uh, the difficulty discarding possessions results in the accumulation of possessions that congest and clutter active living areas and substantially compromise their intended use. If living areas are uncluttered, it's only because of the interventions of third parties. This is according to Scott Herring uh, in his book, The Hoarders, Material Deviance in Modern American Culture. Prior to Grey Garden's release, some local authorities cast Beale, along with her daughter, as demented and portrayed them as unstable isolates, isolates, drowning in filth. After the Suffolk County Health Department notified the two women that they were a menace to self and others, newspaper and magazine magazines reported to on their home's supposed decrepitude. In an in-depth January 1972 New York Magazine article, journalist Gail Sheehy records that a public nurse said, quote, you're sick. To the daughters. East Hampton's acting mayor, William Abel, also chimed in, saying, The two sweet old things won't move unless they're forcibly moved because, unfortunately, they're not mentally competent. Hmm. I don't know if I personally feel comfortable diagnosing them because, well, first of all, I've never met them. But second of all, I also think that. They are people who fell onto financial hard times and mm-hmm. had to essentially let go of most of their servants. I don't know if they knew how to do basic things right. like clean the right. house. I feel like it's I, a mixture of both. Of just- yeah, I, I don't actually know if um, they had life skills that all of us who are on this podcast know how to do, like wash their own clothes or right. how to use a mop or anything like that. Yeah. And because they couldn't afford to pay their utility bills, they essentially had to hunker down just in one or two rooms of their house and right. bring all of the things they loved most into those rooms, thus making the rooms look really, really cluttered too on top of that. So 
I, a part of me wonders how much of this is just like having zero life skills. Right. Like, what um, would happen to the Kardashian house if all of a sudden there were no money? <laughs> like, you know, like their dogs aren't well trained. There would be like feces everywhere. everywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. There's a scene in the documentary that is very telling uh, where they're having people over for Edie's birthday, mm-hmm. uh, Big Edie's birthday, and she comes down and you know, it's clearly dirty. The 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 space where they're all gathering is is dirty. And Big Edie's like, I thought you were gonna clean up. And uh, Little Edie just says, Well, I swept. And then the t- the chairs are apparently so dirty that they put newspaper on mm-hmm. top of the the chairs so that everyone can sit down. And this is how they then yeah, then proceeded. Is- and that's like arrested cake. development a little bit. It's like if you know, <laughs> yes. if, if, if the solution is just to cover it up, you've never done it before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I, I would agree with Kristen. It's hard to diagnose yeah. from afar. It's probably something we shouldn't do. Uh, we do it sometimes in this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> frivolously. But I think guesses. it's worth talking about and just throwing out. Because yeah. I mean, there appears to at least be some animal hoarding. Like, right. with the amount of cats is alarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which then mm-hmm. leads to like a large amount of raccoons that are like essentially somewhat domesticated living in the house off of Wonder <laughs> Bread. <laughs> I know, so much bread. So wild. I feel um, like I, there's I, there's two things based on that what Kristen was saying. I feel like we can put like money is a potential yes, thing to blame. That's what and, I was gonna say. Oh, okay. Mm, and also yeah. then uh, what? Just like lack of basic life skills. Yeah, life skills. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ba- uh, going back to money, I just want to this read this uh, according to Joan Acachella in the New Yorker. Quote: I believe that the crucial element in the Beale story was money. If they crammed 28 rooms with junk, that's in part because they had a house with 28 rooms. Mm. And if they Mm -hmm. declined to do the dishes, wouldn't you on many nights have preferred to omit that task? Yeah. And I I just think that goes to falls under the lack of life skills as well. Because I actually can't relate to that. Like I, the dishes need to be done before I go to bed. I would not omit that. Like that's my upbringing, right? Like to, the thought of waking up with a bunch of dirty dishes is stressful to me versus like, oh, I've never done them. Like, I don't yes, do that. because you know mm-hmm. that if you don't do the dishes, no, no one one's going to do them. Will. Yeah. Right. But what if they did? What if every morning you were used to waking up and the dishes were done? Oh, after it would be, it would be rough to have to go to do the dishes yeah. Yeah. before bed. <laughs> I'd, I'd let a raccoon lick him eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a listener suggestion because I put it out there. And this is according to Mr. Wright 999. And they said Lee Redz- Radziwill. How do we say that name? This is uh, Jackie O's Radziwill. Yep, right. This is um, Jackie uh, Onassis' sister. Um mm-hmm. And they said she caused the media interest in them and could have given them assistance. So I, I believe what they're referring to is the documentarians. Right. Uh, mm. She was the one who wanted to do a documentary. Really, it was about her family. Um, like the legacy and, and East yeah. Clinton and stuff. And then the Maisel saw Big Edie and Little Edie and were like, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is way more interesting. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure they canceled the other uh, documentary. They're like, we're not doing that. Yeah, shifting we're focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I, I know that she and her sister and J- Jackie Onassis did, were the ones who came through when the magazine articles started running uh, stories about these women living in squalor. Uh, I believe they paid $25,000 to clean the house. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was Jackie I'm not sure if her sister also helped, but they they grew up with Big Edie. Like there are stories mm-hmm. of them spending summers together in Grey Gardens in uh, East Hampton mm-hmm. at, at the her, their grandparents' house, uh, where because it, it was very close to Grey Gardens. Mm-hmm. So the whole family was always together. Um, so I can't imagine. Um, that Maybe. said. Maybe we blame the Kennedys because they're cursed and Jackie O married a Kennedy and their curse seeped into the rest of her family. The Kennedy curse. Well, and you know what's wild? That cleanup that um, Jackie and maybe her sister paid for happened before the film. 
Mm. Right. So what oh. we saw that was, was to keep yeah. them yeah. from getting evicted right. like a year or two earlier. Right. And then so they it was came worse. in and shot the documentary. <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there were like dozens of dead cats they found mm-hmm. during that cleanup. Mm-hmm. So these happy raccoons running around, that that's the after. Right. The before was a bunch of dead cats. Yeah. You know, I have heard that raccoons carry rabies. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. It's possible. That is – I wonder <laughs> – I'm not saying they were bitten by raccoons, (laughs) but it just feels like not the animal you want in your attic. Big Edie, rabid or not? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) undiagnosed rabies is to blame. That would explain a lot. Um, uh If rabies makes you a good singer, I mean, maybe I should line up for something (laughs) like that. But let's be real: Big Edie is not a very good singer. Unless Do we have recordings? Right Unless here. you like that soprano with like tons of vibrato, like in the nineteen ten version of singing. Yeah, it's just yeah, so bad. Someone's got to bring that back. Billy Eilish should have just a huge yes, pivot in yes. her style, like Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it is. It's so upsetting too when little Edie is singing around the house it's toward the end of the film where she I, I guess she was annoyed with her mom and she just starts singing non-stop around her mom and her mom starts saying like stop you're not singing well you're not doing it well and she makes her repeat herself over and mm-hmm. over and she's criticizing her and it's just so hard to watch mm. um, yeah they definitely devolve into an abusive like a mutually abusive relationship they're both punishing each other Oh, yeah. Non-stop. I, I, I think of it sometimes as Big Edie got exactly what she wanted, and that's why they're both miserable. Aww. Big Edie's like, I can never be alone. I can never let my daughter succeed more than me. And then she got all of her wishes, and that's why you should never wish for anything, ever. Wow. <laughs> wow. Moral yes, of the story. I don't know in what <laughs> form that wish will take. What form will that wish take? Well, I feel like we have a really good board. Let's take a quick break and we'll start knocking things off the list. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Who's to blame for Grey Gardens? Is it the baggage that accompanies bags of money? (laughs) 
<laughs> the aristocracy weaponized societal expectations. Phelan Beal, East Hampton elitists, family shame, the disapproval of the Beal men, emotional abuse and manipulation, pulling a Big Edie, Big Edie's envy, codependency, Diogenes syndrome or a hoarding disorder, money, lack of basic life skills, or Jackie O's sister, Lee <gasps> Radswell. Um, I also feel like the Kennedy curse was on there. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to yeah. do that. Great. Yes, Kristen, what? One thing we didn't even mention yet were the Maisel's brothers, which some people over the years have blamed. Um, the Maisel's made this movie, went out there, gave them pennies for the time that mm-hmm. they were on film, um, and in some people's minds just completely, um, you know, turned them into a joke when they should have yeah. been paying them a lot of money. Mm. They took advantage of that. Yeah. Um, that's yeah we should definitely put them up on the list and um that is really sad when you think about it but in a way they also freed them i was gonna say i feel like it helped free little Edie, especially yeah yeah it put her desire to be out out there it gave her like a fan base of sorts Mm -hmm. like she was able to go do cabaret after her mother Mm -hmm. passed and like you know live a little life for a minute and i don't know if that would have happened without them Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, i I like i like i I like acknowledging them on the board although i will say you know, it sort of brings up into question what is the sort of role of the journalist or the documentarian? Right? Like, mm. should, mm-hmm. Is there is there a job to intercede? You know, or or well, definitely pay them money if I mean, they're going to make. I mean, they made a career out of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How much? Uh, how much money have the Maisels made off of this? I mean, they sold the rights to HBO for an Emmy-winning series starring Jessica Lange and Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore. Um, oh, right, there have been yeah. books. There have been spinoffs. There's there been so musical. much money made off of yeah. this. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, Chris is on it. I'm going to try. Go I'm probably not going to yeah. come up with anything. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I feel like we should start folding things into one sure. another. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we can put uh, pulling a big Edie or, or fold... Big Edie's Envy, one of the seven sins. <laughs> I like that. Uh, fold that into pulling a Big Edie. Okay. Yeah, like those mm-hmm. two are one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like uh, lack of basic life skills falls into money. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sure. The aristocracy. Or aristocracy, too. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Yes, all of that falls into uh, money. Family shame can also go into the uh, aristocracy. Aristocracy? Or... Oh, that—that's that, yeah. Um, okay. The disapproval of the Beale men. I like that. I wonder if we can just simplify that and make that the Beale men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we can take the uh, husband off, uh, Phelan. Yeah. Right, Bale and right. Beale. Um, East Hampton elitist falls into aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do love the baggage that it comes with bags oh. of money. Uh, so we're going to keep that. <laughs> but that um, that falls into, I, I feel like money falls into that, right? I guess they're two different concepts we're dis- we're we're doing there because mm-hmm. money is is the uh, money that uh, what, money what is allows the root, of, root of all evil is root money. of all evil and also <laughs> what allowed them to have a lack of life experience or, or basic life skills right um, and the baggage that accompanies uh, bags of money is really more about the aristocracy right and yeah. the expectation yeah, yeah like. Yeah. It dictates That's a certain behavior. That's not what a proper lady does. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh-huh. So we can fold that into the aristocracy, I feel. Okay. Okay. We're getting through a lot of these, but we still have so many. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> do, do we fold weaponized <clears throat> societal expectations into the aristocracy yes. as well? Right. I like right. that. Emotional abuse and manipulation. Is that part of... Uh, pulling a big Edie? I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, think I think that's so. all just big Edie. Yeah. Because <laughs> like uh, even when little Edie partakes, it's like in response right. to like uh, mm-hmm. all the shit she's given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't, I think you can take the syndromes. uh, I mean, clearly that maybe happened as a result of what they were going through in life, but it doesn't seem like that came first. Yeah. Yeah. And we we won't diagnose. We're not experts here. Um, And I do feel like we can take the Kennedy curse off. Not. (laughs) It's a real thing, but (laughs) it's a real thing, but I don't know about this one. What about, uh, Lee, uh, Jackie O's sister for for the documentarians. Well, Lee is terrible for lots of reasons, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know if she's any more terrible than everybody else in this family. Mm. Everybody in this family sucks, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Kristen, I feel like you know a little bit about her. Lee is part of. I feel like Lee's issue is she's part of the aristocracy, kind of. Right? Can you give us a little rundown on on Lee, Kristen? Well, Lee um, kind of self appointed herself the pretty one between her and her sister. Um, Pretty much stole any man Jackie was with. Slept with her husband, aka JFK. (gasps) Um, She originally called dibs on. Aristotle Onassis and tried to mm. steal her first. There was a lot of fighting back and forth with Lee always winning as the pretty one and Jackie always being the tragic one who ended up mm. with her sloppy seconds or, um, you know, ending up with the dead husband. Jeez. You know? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Lee was not known as a very nice person at all. Okay. Not cool, Lee. Um, but, well, I, I don't, I, I feel like. Again, like you said, she just falls into the the family. And she was much younger than... Oh, and uh, Lee was also... Wasn't she literal aristocracy? Oh, yeah. Was, Didn't she marry she a, prince? a princess? She married a prince. Oh, yes. wow. Her, Her second, second marriage was yeah. to that Polish... Yeah. Yeah, that prince. I bet you we could do an episode where we get Lee in jail if that's our goal. <laughs> maybe, maybe this isn't the one. <laughs> I don't think so. Again, she was much younger than little Edie. So they, they were cousins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, first cousins. Yes. Um, so what I, we I, have left is the aristocracy, the Beale men pulling a big Edie with codependency, uh, money, and the Maisel brothers. The Maisels. Um, I think we can take the Maisels off just because I feel like they came after. I feel like the root of the problem right. came was already there. The before they just showed yeah. us what yeah. was happening. It was still right. happening. They whether just or not. Yeah. turned a light on. Yeah. <laughs> it. And so what are we going to do here? We have to do <sighs> something. I think codependency. Um, I think all of these are strong, but codependency seems like it can be folded into Big ED mm-hmm. or Big something ED? else. Yeah. I, I want to interject and say I don't think so because no. I think there are different things here. Um, I think codependency implies both people are fully yes. invested in this. Right. Whereas I'm saying Big ED, that's that's a different thing because that yeah. doesn't mean people are mutually invested in it. Right. Yes. It was much more c- controlling almost than yes. like mutually dependent. So we can just take it off then and not even fold it into her. Does mm-hmm. that feel better? Or do you want to keep it Let's on? Let's leave it on. Let's leave it on separately because I agree with Kristen. Um, here's where I'm leaning towards and then tell me what you guys think. I think we should – I have a hard time sending Big Edie to the alarmist jail because I think there are things bigger than her. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm, I'm – Maybe I'm, I'm I'm being too lenient here. Um, I, I, I'm thinking we send the Beale men to the alarmist jail and we, <laughs> wow. and we slap uh, pulling a big Edie. Interesting. Because the Beale men are ultimately responsible for all the situations that mm. lead to big Edie sort of spiraling or like needing to control her, feeling like she needs to control her daughter. It's because of like the strings that are pulled by like, by either her father or her husband and sort or her of sons. her sons. Yeah, yeah. Her mm-hmm. sons. And sort of like her anger is being taken out on her daughter, which is like being pulled, which is like pulling a big eighty, but like is the catalyst for all of this, like the Beals and like the Bouvier men who mm-hmm. are in power, like behind the scenes. Yeah. And I would include um, big Edie's father as well, who took right. away her, um, inheritance mm-hmm. and gave it to her sons to dole out. Oof. Yeah. What are you thinking? 
Chris? Yeah, no, I think that that's a, that's a good point. It's like when it comes to what sort of sparked this, how did, how did it get to this place? I was just looking a little bit because what Kristen said really interested me. I thought, what is codependency? But there's also a definition and it's sort of debated in, I guess, psychology is there's a giver and a taker. So there is power dynamic built into codependency. So mm. it, it sort of does kind of encapsulate what was going on there, even though Big Edie would be the sort of more, I guess, the giver in this take in the sense that she would be the one who needs to sort of have control over the relationship. But I, I, I definitely don't want to blame Little Edie for that kind of dynamic. It mm-hmm. really feels like mm-hmm. Big Edie is the more powerful force yeah. there. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what Kristen sort of was going with. Um, well, look. But we're going to take a stab at it. Yeah. And we might as well, if we're going to be wrong, it's it won't be the first time we're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to call it. Pulling a big Edie, you're getting the big slap. The <gasps> Beale men, you're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> oh, but, but can I just say, uh, yes, put, yes. Whoa, whoa. Big Edie, minimum lifetime probation, though, please. <laughs> Please. They gave her a raw deal. And then what did she do with the raw deal? She turned that on little lady. So tortured. You know, yeah, yeah. she was handed a raw deal and she got really bad with it. Yeah, she did a bad thing with her raw deal. She could have put that raw deal in a skillet on the stove and made a delicious dinner. She didn't. (laughs) (laughs) She she took that raw deal and she just abused little Edie. That's a good it's a way good point. Put, it's, yeah. And it, it's way a uh, nicer image than making lemonade out of lemons. Ma- lemons <laughs> take your raw deal and slap it on the skillet. skillet. <laughs> it's just more visceral. I just like it Yeah. Kristen, Jalenta, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of the tragedy behind Grey Gardens. Thanks for thank having you. us. Thank you. Yeah, it was so much fun. In the aftermath of Grey Gardens, Big Edie died on February 5, 1977, likely from pneumonia at the Southampton Hospital. Left on her own, little Edie sold the home in 1979 for $220,000. The buyers, Ben Bradley and Sally Quinn, promised to restore the estate to its original glory. Little Edie died in 2002 at the age of 84, she had been living alone in a small apartment in Bal Harbor, Florida. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.